Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Winger F1 podcast. I'm Freddie, and this is Nigel, and we're going to talk to you about the big F1 news that has happened today, which is that Oscar Piastri is officially confirmed at McLaren for 2023 and 2024. There's been a whole load of speculation, a whole load of random toing and froing between Alpine and McLaren for the past month or so, ever since Fernando Alonso left them in the lurch and Alpine said, yeah, Oscar Piastri is our driver. And Oscar Piastri said live on this podcast for us when we were recording it, um, that he isn't actually going to Alpine. He's going to go somewhere else. And it turns out that was McLaren and that's official. The Formula One contract recognition board has ruled in favor of McLaren. So Nigel, um, I hope you're doing good. We're, we're not doing yes. pleasantries because they're going straight into the news. <laughs> what has happened with Oscar Piastri and the contract recognition board today? Well, basically, the key thing is that we found out Piastri is signed on the 4th of July, which was the day after the British Grand Prix. And the key well, thing from that is that Daniel Ricciardo put out a tweet nine days later, I think it was, that he was going to drive for McLaren next year. They had a contract, etc. So it does suggest, and from what Ricardo said as well since the announcement, he had no idea that Piastri had signed on the 4th of July. And it, you know, we've already found out seven weeks later that it's been confirmed that Ricardo uh, would be leaving McLaren at the end of this season as well. So those are the key points. Andrea Seidel, the team principal, when talking to TV and media people, he was very tight-lipped, uh, wouldn't want to get, didn't want to go into any uh, details about the contract. Uh, the person I want to hear from is Lauren Rossi uh, because we haven't heard anything at all from him for the last two months about it. It's, it's always only been odd miles after now and he claims to you know, have not known about the Alonso thing and then not known about the Piastri thing. So that's who I want to hear from. The, the, the 4th of July date is a surprise to me. I didn't expect it to be, expect it to be that early. But I absolutely understand it. I'd say it's much more on Alpine's management or poor management as to why this has happened. I can't really blame Piastri on anything. The only thing maybe is the tweet, you know, maybe he could have done it behind closed doors, but, you know, it's 2022, social media is a big part of it and Alpine did put out a statement. So, you know, even that is not a, it's not a massive criticism for me. So for me, it's just a downfall or failure of Alpine's management, which has caused this, I think. Yeah, definitely. They've they've we said it at the time of Alonso leaving that completely blindsided the team, and they just didn't have their ducks in a row in the way they should have done in case that happened with Piastri, and were completely left in the lurch, and they shouldn't have been. They should have they they've been relying on letters of intent and things like that that, and probably really just agreements at the back of a back of a motorhome which you're not going to say anything different to so it seems like alpine probably need to have a bit more on paper and a bit more um a bit less leeway for what their drivers could do um yeah. essentially what they had was a promise that they would get oscar piastri into a 2023 seat but they didn't have exclusive rights to putting him into a 2023 seat because he has his own management team and I think his management team weren't obviously going to sign that away to Alpine becoming his management which is fairly obvious because they get their own cut they're not going to say well we're just going to sit here and do anything because Alpine wouldn't let them get their own cut so that that's simple business that's fair enough um, but if that's going to happen you still need to keep your keep your um, your head straight and keep it away and keep on top of everything which they haven't done and that's very poor which is why all of this is 
come to this. I think, yeah, I think I agree with you in the t- in the sense that you kind of think, yeah, Oscar didn't need to do a tweet immediately. He didn't need to put it out there. It's a bit um, rough and ready, if that makes sense, of a way of doing it and a bit um, a bit of skullduggery. But on the flip side of that, it's the best way to get it sorted quickly is to make a furora and to really make it obvious that there's a fight going on because um, if this was done behind closed doors, then hey, it would be fun to get a massive shock today, but I don't yeah. think it would have happened now. I think it would have happened in about about December because there wouldn't have been just a push to do it. There wouldn't have been that kind of mindset because we know political organisations are political. So I think um, there's a big element of that that's just, just to get it done. And I yeah. think that's worked wonders to make it move this quickly. And, and I think... But I think people, if, if they, if, if anyone's thinking, oh, you know, Piastri's been disloyal and or, or or anything like that, what they've got to understand is, start of July, Piastri's thinking Alpine are going to sign Alonso for next year or two years or whatever. You know, Alonso will be with them next year. So, in the, when you're in that position, you've got to find what's best for you for next year. So that was either Williams or McLaren, and it's quite obvious McLaren is the better choice. Uh, than Williams at the moment. You know, yes, they're both not winning teams, but McLaren's just further up the grid. So Piastri, in his head, thought Alonso was going to sign a new deal. That's why this has happened. So that's why I can't really blame Piastri. And I think the only thing that's I'm left kind of questioning is if Alpine... Well, yeah, it just it seems Alpine didn't know that Piastri had that sign with McLaren, obviously, but because, well, surely they should have signed Alonso for next year, but they didn't. So, I don't know. It's either really poor mismanagement from Alpine or a bit of backstabbing from Piastri or a bit of both. Uh, but, yeah, I, I can't blame Piastri at, at, at all. Yeah, a bit of both. Yeah. A bit of both. I think um, because Piastri's the fresh face and because he's the the hot shot is going to come out of this bit better than Alpine, but there is a, there is, you know, there is a lot of kind of, you could say you, a, a kind man would call it shrewd. Uh, a cynic would call it um, foul play um, yeah. into what's been done. It, uh, people talk all about, Oh, gentlemen's agreements as if they're amazing. And, you know, one day a gentleman's agreement is, is how it should be done the next day. It's not. So, that's just the court of public opinion. The court of public opinion is obviously going to be in Oscar Piastri's favour because he does deserve to be on the Formula One grid and being with McLaren is a great team for that. So um, who have famously taken a chance on rookies and successfully done so. And if you look at um, McLaren's most recent rookies, Lando Norris is obviously a superstar. Um, Sofa Van Dorn's just won the Formula E World Championship. Kevin Madison's still on the F1 grid. And... Um, Lewis Hamilton's the most successful Formula One driver of all time. So if you just take them as as a de- as a cross section of McLaren bred drivers, then which I think yeah, I don't think there's any other rookies since in that kind of list of McLaren drivers who who I can name. So they do that they do a job well and they nurture a driver well. So hopefully they can do the same with Piastri. Or do you think? That's going to be a touch of the Ricardos to it. What you mean, Piastri will underperform? Yeah. McLaren. See, I've, I think it'll go two way. I don't think there'll be a middle ground. I think it'll either be a disaster or the next world champion. 
I think I it's <laughs> and I'm someone who hasn't always rated Piastri. I, I am of belief that I need to wait to see him in F1 before seeing, you know, yes, he's, you know, won the last three uh, titles in junior form of, um, at the first time I've asked him, which is amazing. I don't know, I've just... He was second year in Renault Euro Cup, actually. Second year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not so good after that, no. Uh, but <laughs> he's up against Norris, who some people believe is a future world champion anyway. So if he can match him straight away, then that will be amazing. But like you said, with the Ricardo thing, Ricardo, Sites, and Norris have talked about how strange the McLaren car is. So if Piastri did underperform, I think I wouldn't go that hard on him just because he's driving a McLaren. And because of what three great drivers have said, Ricardo, Sites, and Norris, about the weird handling of the car, I, I'll be willing to give him a bit of leeway almost if he does underperform. Because I feel, I feel like if he went to a different, to say, you know, if he stayed at Alpine, I could see him beating Ocon, but maybe in the in the McLaren it could be exposed. So I think that's something people have got to be aware about. And I'm not, I'm really not too sure which way it will go. That's why I think it will either be amazing or like a bit like Ricardo. Yeah, his junior series are a bit of an enigma because I think in Formula 3, he never qualified in the front row, but won races really well. And that was really good race craft and really good race pace. Um, but then in Formula 2, he got like five poles in a row and and then was doing amazing race craft as well. So it yeah. feels like as a driver, he's cleaned himself up as he's gone along. And I think there's a, there's a, there's a good argument to say that the nearly the sort of three and a half thousand kilometers of mileage he's got under his belt in a Formula One car, well, an Alpine Formula One car, isn't going to harm him. Um, All you could say is that that's the configuration of car that Ricardo did well in and came from. Um, And if he's doing well in that, then that could be a bit different to what he needs to do well in at McLaren. But because he's done well in everything he's jumped in, you could say he's got the adaptability to work in that McLaren in a way that Norris... Um, a way that Norris has, has proven is possible to do. So yeah. there are yings and yangs to it, but I think I'm leaning on the side of, I have a bit more faith in him than Ricardo now because mm. Ricardo obviously was stuck in the mud, but I think fresh blood is a good way of trying to deal with that. Yeah, and I think, you know, whatever happens, well, it, right now it looks like McLaren have got are going to have one of the best lineups next year on an already quality grid. Yeah. So that's another thing, you know, it's a massive improvement on Ricardo on paper. Uh, but I'm just not willing to, you know, say how it's going to go yet, which is weird of me because normally I'm very opinionated, as you know. Uh-huh. But I just can't for this. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he could be in for a baptism of fire, but he, he, I think I think it for, for Piastri, it is the best outcome. And yeah. And that's gone incredibly well. Um, obviously, what do you, oh, oh, yeah, I was go. just going to ask, what do you think on the Ricardo McLaren? Like, should McLaren, McLaren handle that fairly? Do you think? Well, it's all it's all a bit cloak and daggers in a in a in a few bits. Sort of Piastri being signed at the uh, around the British Grand Prix weekend, and Ricardo very publicly being um, assured by the team and assuring himself that he's going to stick it out with this team um, because there is a good 
two months between the announcement of Ricardo leaving and Piastri being signed, which is a date I think McLaren probably hoped wasn't released um, into the into the public sphere. But I mean, it's kind of the way you've got to play the game. They could have they could have been really decent with Ricardo and said like. I mean, we don't know what they've said to Ricardo. We don't know when they've said things to Ricardo. The implication is that Ricardo didn't know until a certain amount of time. Um, yeah. And that's the implication from Ricardo's side. But McLaren are completely denying that. So um, we, we've seen drivers before just sort of go against the party line just for a bit of fun when they know they've been sacked. Like there was a whole Netflix episode about Sebastian Vettel doing that um, and just having a bit of fun and clearly being annoyed. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's various sides of that. Um, but I also wouldn't be surprised if McLaren is saying stuff that isn't necessarily on the money, just to yeah. just to appear as um, prudent and as slick as possible. But I do also think if you got the chance to get Piastri in the way they wanted him, you, they, they had to go when they did. Um, yeah. And I think they are canny operators and they know how the driver market works in a way that blindsided Alpine a bit for some reason um, who have always been a pretty decent at being a bit canny on that as well so I think McLaren had to go and they did and you can always sack a driver um, but it's sometimes it's a lot harder to sign a driver um, yeah. particularly one who's linked to other teams and there was definite, um, definitely definitely uh, Alpha Tauri and Helmut Marco are sniffing around Oscar Piastri as well and Williams um, and all the rumours were that Williams are going to announce him at Silverstone so McLaren yeah. saw that and saw okay right so this is four teams counting themselves who definitely want a piece of Oscar Piastri and he wants to sign with us we've got to take it now because we don't know what could be put on the table elsewhere yeah, they don't know what Oscar Piastri is saying they, they probably have from the management saying well we've got all of this going and if you really want us come get us so they did and Really, you've got to respect McLaren for that. But I don't, it is a hard one to leave a driver in the loop for so long. But I think this does get forgotten about a lot. And in Formula One, like, you know, the amount of drivers who learn through the media they've lost their seat and things like that is not on. And I do think Ricardo probably shouldn't have been exposed to so many rumors in the way that he was. He should have known. And, but I think Alpine probably, McLaren probably didn't expect it all to unfold in the way it did and thought they could control the narrative a bit more. Unfortunately, they haven't been able to, which means that they've been in the benefit of hindsight. I think they would have handled this differently, but I think they've, um, I think they've been a little bit hamstrung by Alpine's mess, to be honest, it makes them yeah. look a little bit more, um, uh, gameplay, which it is, but, I think I think this wasn't their intention. Yeah. Also, I think there would have been McLaren and Ricardo would have been talking for months. I mean, that was that Brown that comment about Ricardo not performing or something that was around Monaco or something. I, I think that back in May, and Ricardo knows with his performances that he would have that you know they would have been uh they, you know they they wouldn't they would have been talking about it for a long time. I feel so so. Yeah, I think I, I think it's fine the way they've done it, and I think you're right. It's more Alpine's mess that McLaren have got kind of stuck in almost. 
I think McLaren have played it fairly, I feel. So, yeah, there's, I don't think there's too much discretion there. And then, you know, maybe part of why we didn't hear about Ricardo uh, leaving McLaren is because, you know, they wanted to find him a, a new team. Uh, although, looking at Ricardo's body language recently, maybe he, has, he hasn't had found a new team anyway, who knows? But, yeah, that's a whole separate story. But, yeah, it's all resolved now, uh, finally. Uh, and I think it's played out probably the right way. You know, McLaren has done well to get the driver they wanted and now being a completely failed by letting a two-time world champion go and the former two hot prospect go. Yeah, and it, it it ticks off of one box on the um driving market list, but it op- it can officially opens up the Alpine seat. Um <sighs> just a couple of minutes on that, but we'll probably do some silly season stuff as we go into Monza and, and the, the big gap until um Singapore. the flyaway seat series starts. Um Gasly's being heavily linked with that. Apparently, he's been. Um, apparently, they've nearly signed everything off on the Red Bull side. Um, that's what Helmut Marco is alluded has alluded to on Sky Sports Germany, um, yep. and he's denied Mick Schumacher, um, basically, um, but he hasn't denied Colton Herta. Um, I th- Ralph Schumacher. He said he said to Ralph Schumacher and Co. Um, on German German TV that um, we've got our own junior program. We'll look into that. And Ralph Schumacher said to him, um, is is that an American guy then? And Helmut Marco just chuckled and apparently didn't say anything. So um, that, that, that looks like it's in, it's in motion as well. Um, But there are a few more interesting prospects down the grid. Haas and Williams. Haas has become a much more, uh, prospective drive for many drivers because much more sought after cockpit. Now they're a good team, well, a, a yeah. competitive team, not necessarily a great team. And and Williams is always going to be interesting to people because it's Williams, and they're not a, they're not awful, but they're not great. But they're a, they're a team that are there and are showing signs of progression, particularly at this stage of the season. Um, so. Those are really where the where the the question marks lie, and I don't know what's going to happen at all there. Neither do I. I think the only thing I'll say this to Adam: like, there's so many rumors and reports. People, people, if you're listening or watching this, you've just got to only look at the big publications. You know what the race and also what BBC is saying, because there'll be lots of rubbish out there, quite frankly. And I think the only thing I can predict like us. That I'm, <laughs> well, of course, yeah, but. The only thing I can predict, which I'm kind of sure about, is one of or both Schumacher and Ricardo will not be on the grid next year. Everything else is quite open. I think the Gasly to Alpine will happen. Then after that, it could go any way with Williams, Alpha Tauri, and then Haas. Because every, I mean, I, 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 I won't rule out one of them. I, I think I can see it being that both of them are on the grid and both of them are off the grid. I just mm. see that for some reason all over. I, I just. I feel like at this stage of the season last year, we were very much, everything seemed to be signed on yeah. apart from all just to be ticked off and announced with uh, Joe Granu coming into Alfa Romeo, Russell going to Mercedes, the kind of storylines were all sort of settled there. The only thing that kind of popped up as a surprise was Albon. But um, yeah. now there all the sort of surprises seem to come up and go. And I think this triple header is going to be a wheeler dealer triple header. And yeah. come Suzuka, come 
um, Singapore and that is going to be a bit more interesting in yeah. rumor mill because a few things could emerge then. That's what I predict. Because that seems that's going back to sort of the more traditional time for the rumor mill to really kind of drop a few bombshells. So let's see what happens then. Do you have any wild predictions, yeah. Nigel? Quickly. Oof. I love us. I don't depends what you mean by wild. Like I don't know, Brendan Hartley wild, that kind of thing. Like, <laughs> no, you... nothing like that. <laughs> I, I don't because I, I mean I don't know. Personally, I, don't I, think... I, I wouldn't sign Chumac or Ricardo or Latifi or Sonoda or Giovinazzi. And they're the only people who seem to be being thrown around yeah. for those kind of seats. But then I also wouldn't sign Drogovic. I wouldn't sign Paul Chair. I wouldn't sign Sargent or Doohan either. Uh, the top four in F2. So you wouldn't moment. sign anyone in the world. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I, that's why I rose, rose, raised the Hartley thing, because at that kind of stage, there was a kind of a point where it's kind of like, well, a driver we have to sign, we have to go a little bit left field. And it's, Brendan Hartley would not be on the grid. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm, not saying that. Hartley, I'm saying the kind of concept around yeah, it is, yeah. okay, this is a driver that Rebel had ties with back in the day, and his sports car career has been exemplary, and it has been exemplary since as well, actually, to point out. Mm. Um so let's give him a go in F1 and it was a deserved go at that kind of thing. So I don't know whether there's a, a chance for a team to go looking in that kind of way, which is why something like Colton Herter is being spoken about yeah. and whether there's a chance to go to um, sports cars or go to um, Formula E or IndyCar and see any more hotshots there because you've got a Pato Award or someone like that who probably could realistically make a good shot at F1 and that kind of thing. And yeah. Hello? You've got, you've got Sorry? Pelo, Alex Pelo, possibly. Yeah, exactly. People like that. So, I mean, if you're Williams, that's in, that's, that's in the Williams team kind of DNA is to take a shot on a feisty IndyCar driver. Um, yeah. Well, that I, was like 20 years ago, wasn't it? When they did that. Yeah, and it worked. Yeah. Jack Vianov won the championship. Montoya <laughs> was pretty excellent. So, yeah. Zanardi was, was a bit of a letdown, but mm. unfortunately. But um, the other times, it worked. So, um, who knows? The I, I would personally be fishing around like that, but F1 does live in a bubble. <laughs> yeah, in fact, the Giovinazzi's got another chance, despite um, the oh worst season in professional sport of the year <laughs> um, in his Formula E season. Um, is is proof of insularity? But who knows? Yeah, it, it's a bit. I won't go as far as saying it's a bit of a joke, but it's not right that. You know, he's, he's getting back on the grid again after the second time after his little stint in 2017 and back in. He deserved uh, the 2019, 2019 chance. Um, obviously, because yeah. I think as a hangover from his excellent debut Formula Two year, which was yeah. genuinely excellent. Better and, than Gasly. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, the three years he got were the three years he got. Yeah. And he did show flashes. He just didn't consistently put them together. And. It's fine to do a few FP1s or something or a few testing sessions to correlate with Ferrari because you are a Ferrari test driver and Ferrari have been let down by that in the past, namely Luca Badoa. But um, <laughs> I think it, yeah, the fact that if even if, if even is being considered as a driver for a seat, I agree with you that it's, it's close to a bit of a joke. I mean, he's, yeah. he's not even being considered for a drive in sports cars or Formula E, I think the only chance you get as a driver is an AF Corsa drive. I think the only the only place you're going to find Giovinazzi is going to be the Ferrari WEC situation next year. And 
I'd be heavily surprised if that's not where he's driving. Mm. I think that could I work. I think he will be at Haas. I think he could be. I think he'll be. I think he'll be driven out to your Ricardo at Haas. Alpha Tauri, absolutely no idea. And then Williams, I think, will keep Latifi. That's how, that's how I think he'll go. And yeah, then Gasly Alpine, obviously. Yeah, I think I think I'm coming on board with that as well, which is just oh, just really. it just leaves Schumacher like. Well, I, 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 I'm not convinced Herta will get on the grid, but I mean, I don't know how they're going to fudge the super license stuff unless they do a, yeah. a World Motorsport Council meeting to say, actually, IndyCar, we're going to respect you as a series. It's so wrong that how could yes. an IndyCar an like, IndyCar winner or something gets the same amount as the fourth person in Frecker or yeah. something, isn't it? And, IndyCar should be equivalent to F2 at the very least. Well, in Formula E, if you're in Formula E you automatically get a super license, even if you don't have anything to do with that. So you kind of, so say like someone like, who obviously doesn't have a super license in Formula E, like um, who has no F1 experience, um, won it, they'll get a super license. So IndyCar really, I think, should be on the same level as that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Anyway, that we can... Yeah. Rant about that another time. We've yes, we definitely there, can. So, yeah. um, it's obviously the middle of the Zanvoort weekend. We've had the first two practice sessions. We're just going to have 30 seconds on that. Um, Ferrari 1-2 and FP2. Mercedes looking good. Um, do you think that's the kind of course of the weekend? Merck, Ferrari, Red Bull, three-way fight? I think so. I wrote in my preview for TotalMotorsport.com that we're going to see six-way scrap this weekend. And I think that's still possible. I think, I think Red Bull will come back into it. I think they normally play things a bit safe on Fridays. I agree. I think qualifying is going to be amazing because it's such an old school circuit. Risk versus reward. It's still close to the grass and the gravel. So I think whoever sticks it on pole, whether that is Hamilton, Leclerc, Russell or Verstappen, is going to be in a phenomenal app. And the atmosphere has been absolutely amazing already as well. I think oh, yeah. the race is going to be a strategic affair. So it's all the right ingredients that we want. And I was telling Adam on the preview, which you should go back and watch, by the way, before <laughs> qualifying in the race. Uh, we haven't had a proper race long scrap since Miami because the last 10 or so races Ferrari at the front. I think Verstappen didn't have the pace, I'd argue with Austria. I mean, like a proper, you know, evenly ish matched race. Well, it's a good point. Because I, 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 I was thinking about Leclerc Leclerc and Staffan and Leclerc out of the back then, wasn't he? So, yeah, you can argue, argue, argue Canada. So, never mind. Sorry. Yeah, we haven't had many in the last 10 races. We've only had one or two. Well, Leclerc's have won podium in the past nine. Oh, there, there you go. Which is, yeah. that's, what didn't, Wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> That's mad. Exactly. Wow. But yeah, I hope we get a multiple car race long strategic scrap. And I think that's what we what we will get. I think so too. I think that would be what Zanvoort as a track kind of deserves in a kind of Hungaroring kind of race. And yeah. it's got a really neat old school feel to it. It's got F2 and F3 there as well, which is great fun. And it's gonna I think it's gonna be a pretty good weekend. It was a success last year. There's um I think there's a threat of rain for quali. I'm not sure. Yes. Yeah. Um so Zanvor in the wet. Crikey. Um but we'll see. Um if you're listening to this anytime other than Saturday morning, sorry. Um <laughs> and point and laugh at us, but that's kind of what we put ourselves out for. Um but anyway, thank you very much for this uh, little bonus Oscar ep. Um and we hope you enjoy the Zanvoort weekend and we will see you again soon.
Ta-ra.